Welcome back, everyone. Last time, we talked about the spiritual definition of time, space, and motion, and how every term we use, even if we use a physical example, it's not really about the physicality. We're just using the best terms that we have to try and explain what's going on in the spiritual realm. So today, I want to continue from where we left off. And I'm just going to read the verse from the Ari again so we can get back into the right frame of mind. You should know that before the, emanator, the, the things that were emanated were emanated, and before the creations were created, there was an upper simple light that filled the entirety of reality. There was no empty space, there was no empty air or space. Everything was filled with this uh, endless simple light. It didn't have a beginning or an end. Everything was equal everywhere. This, this endless light is equal everywhere. And this is what's called endless light. So let's continue from where we left off. So about the words of Yerekani, what does empty air mean? And especially why we said makom panui, which means empty space, and then we said avirekani, which means empty air, and then we said halal, which is space. So why do we need all three of these things? They don't, it sounds like they all mean the same thing. So first thing Avashlak says right off the bat, it's not about physical air, God forbid. Ela there is a spiritual light that is called air. Every spiritual system has two aspects. The light of wisdom and the light of mercy. Again, every spiritual system has two aspects. The first aspect is the light of wisdom. The second aspect is the light of mercy, or kindness. The light of wisdom is the, is the main idea, the, the essence of any spiritual system. It's the, it's the lifeblood of the system. The light of mercy just clothes the light of wisdom in the system. And without this light of mercy, the light of wisdom can't, can't uh, enter into the system. And we'll discuss it deeper why later. But just, just so you know, the light of wisdom cannot enter a spiritual system without being clothed first by the light of mercy. Sometimes when the system is in a state of smallness, what does smallness mean? It means that there's only the light of mercy. There's no light of wisdom. So if you think about, let's say, for, let's say you have a garden. The seed is the light of wisdom, and the earth or the soil that you plant it in is the light of mercy. 
I apologize for using a physical example, but this is the best that we can do from our plane of existence. So smallness is when we have, you have the dirt, but there's no seed. So, you know, it's very nice. You have a plot of dirt, but there's nothing happening there. That's, that's the smallness. The light of mercy has another, has another name. Air or wind. And when it's by itself, without the light of wisdom, Empty air. When it's without the light of wisdom, light of mercy is called empty air. So now we understand why the Ari said avir rekani. It wasn't, he wasn't talking about just air, physical air. He was talking about a, a state where the light of mercy is there without the light of wisdom. And since he was saying that in the endless light there is no concept like this, that means that in the endless light, the light of wisdom is always within the light of mercy. And the way that the way that the light of mercy covers light of wisdom, it's like it's almost like uh, like a gold plating on something. You know, it surrounds it completely. It takes its it takes the shape of the light of wisdom inside. So now the Ari is telling us that before the worlds were created, which means in the, in the concept of the endless light, there was no, nowhere in existence was there any light of mercy without light of wisdom. Because like we said last time, there wasn't any form of lack anywhere. Everything was 100% fulfilled. Which means that the light of every light of mercy had light of wisdom fulfilling it. Let's move on. So now we're going to talk about vechalal. So we we talked about makom penoi last time. We just did empty air. Now we're going to do another word for space. It seems like we're saying the same thing over and over, but as we're learning, it's actually very different concepts. In order to explain this word, you have to know before we can understand what space, first we have to understand what exactly is a spiritual vessel. When something that, that is emanated gets its sustenance, from the emanator, it has to have, it is forced to have a desire to accept this sustenance from above. And you should know, the size or the measurements of this desire is the main idea of the material of the emanated thing. Now, that's a little complicated, but don't worry. We're going to go into it. Everything that is in the emanated except for this 
uh, material, meaning the, the desire to receive. It's not related to this aspect of material. What does that mean? So every emanated thing has different aspects. There's the aspect of it that is the desire to receive, which is how it draws down the sustenance from above, how it keeps itself going. And then the rest of it is... That is the is the part that makes it similar to where it came from because everything came from one place, so everything within it has something from the emanator. And again, if if you're a little bit confused, so was I at this point. Don't worry, we'll get into it. So not only this, but also that this material, this desire to receive. It actually decides how big and on what level this emanated thing is. And I don't just mean physical size, I also mean spiritual size. So every emanated thing, every system, every spiritual level is, is given its measurements by the size of is by the size of its desire to receive. So, the light that comes from the original source, from the essence of the Creator, comes without measurement. It comes endless. The endless light. There is no measurement. So how can anything that comes out of it have measurements? The emanated thing creates measurements and boundaries for it from its, from its own perspective. Not from the perspective of the emanator, but from the perspective of the emanated, the receiver. Because the emanated receives not more and not less than exactly the size of its desire to receive. And this is actually, whenever, whenever we're talking about spiritual levels or spiritual systems having a size or having a measurement of any, of any form, we're talking about how big is the desire to receive. Everything, everything that we're talking about when we're talking about measurements of spiritual things has to do with desire. That's why we call the, the desire to receive. That is, so the desire to receive is called the receiving vessel of the emanated thing. Just notice that the emanated thing isn't entirely made up of the receiving vessel. It's, its desire to receive is the vessel of the emanated thing, but that's not the entirety of the emanated. And it's uh, differentiated to the aspect of its material, meaning the desire to receive. So because of this aspect of it that has a desire to receive, that's what made it separate from the emanator, like we said last time. Whenever there's a change in form, 
things move apart spiritually. Not physical distance, but when, when we say that things move apart, it means that there was a change in form. What is the change in form here? The essence of the Creator, there is no desire to receive. With us, with every emanated thing, with every created thing, there is a desire to receive. So that's what make, that's the form change that happened with all of existence. So because the emanated is given these boundaries and measurements through the desire to receive that isn't found in the essence of the Creator, because there's no desire to receive in the, in the essence of the Creator. Because who is the essence of the Creator going to receive from? It, there is no way, no possible way, that the Creator should receive from anything. The Creator is the ultimate, the essence of the Creator is the ultimate source of everything. So it, it's only a giving force. There is no desire to receive. And Rav is telling us that later we'll, uh, we'll, go in, we'll go into more depth. That there is in this material, in this desire to receive, there's four, four stages, four levels. From the, minima, from the minimum to the maximum uh, receiving. The fourth stage, which is the biggest receiver. Is found in its completeness only in the endless. Now, I know that some that some of you may be wondering. We just finished saying that the endless light doesn't have any desire to receive. So how is it possible that the biggest desire to receive exists fully only in the endless light? It's very confusing. We'll get to it later. Before the worlds were created, only on this, the tzimtzum, the restriction, the contraction, happened only on this fourth level of desire. And it's also going to be explained later. All the sustenance that this fourth level of desire used to bring down was drained from it. And it stayed in this concept of empty space. This is after the contraction. So now we understand what, it, what the Ari meant when he said space, halal. So before the restriction, before the contraction, this fourth level of desire was completely fulfilled. There was, it, it hadn't had its light drained because the tzimtzum didn't happen yet. So when the Ari says that there was no halal, it means that this desire was still getting everything that it was drawing. Let's continue. So, here it's talking about the words, that it's filled with this simple endless light. Rav Ashlag explains a little bit simply. There is nothing to add. What does it mean that it's that it's everything is filled with this endless simple light? There's nothing to add from lower levels. It's complete. It's fulfilled. It's beautiful. 
And then um, he, the Ravashlak says that the idea of a beginning and end, what exactly that means in a spiritual place, especially with the endless light, what, how we deal with that, it says, Ravashlak says we'll deal with later. Now, so that everything was equal everywhere, everything was one light, what does that mean? There was no smaller levels, bigger levels, there was no higher, lower, right, left, no one was greater than anybody else. Everything was exactly the same and everything was perfect. Everything was equally perfect everywhere. This is talking about the endless light before the Tzimtzum. So now, what does it mean for everything to be equal? There is not even right and wrong. There was no merit, no punishment, nothing. Everything is perfect. What, so some of us, I, I asked, how, what do you mean there's no right and wrong? Everything was right. What do you, doesn't, it can't be that there was no right or wrong. We know what's right. That we, so if everything was good, that means everything was right. No. This is beyond our understanding of right and wrong. This is above that. There is no right and wrong. Everything is the same and perfect. The very idea of there being a difference between right and wrong only came into existence after the tzimtzum. After the tzimtzum. After the contraction, after the restriction. Rashlag now has a question that he, had, that he had a hard time with and I had a hard time with too. So the last words of the Ari in this verse is Nikra or Ensof. And this is what is this is what is called the endless light. What's the question gonna be? What's wrong with that? At the very beginning we said that any spiritual entity that we cannot understand, we cannot give a name. Okay. So, we said that we don't understand the endless light. We can talk about what it does and after the Tzimtzum, but we don't really understand what does it mean endless light. It's beyond our understanding. So if it's beyond our understanding, how can we give it a name? It makes no sense. Either we understand it, we understand some part of it and we're giving it a name, or we don't understand it and we can't give it a name. Shall I call Shem Because every name that we give means that we understood something. So based on the name, that, that tells us what we understood about it. But if we don't understand the endless, how can we give it a name? The endless and you shouldn't, this, first, Ravashla gives an answer that you, you shouldn't fall with. This is not the answer. That the, the whole reason that we called it endless is to remind ourselves that we don't understand. No, that's not the answer. Why? We should have just called it the, the ineffable thing, the thing that we can't understand. And the main idea is here. So why did we call it the endless? Why do we call it the endless light? To show the difference between the endless 
and all of the worlds after it, all the worlds that come after the Tzimtzum. Hine, bechol makom, shakoach hazeh mitoer, hu metzamtzem sham etaor. Everywhere where this power, this energy of contraction, restriction, Tzimtzum, is awakened, it contracts the light. So through this, that's how the, the shining or the, the dissipation of this light gets to its end. Every end or finish to the dissipation of light from one level to another through any system can only be achieved through the power of the contraction, through the power of the tzimtzum. And not only this, only because of this end can all of the different names of God and all of the different combinations of letters that you can see in the Zohar and in the Ari, all these different things and all these different changes of form can only be achieved through the Tzimtzum. Because that's what's found in the worlds that come after the Tzimtzum. Before the Tzimtzum, there were no separate worlds. There was just the endless. The endless, perfect, simple light. And because of this idea of contraction, because it's not in the endless, there is no endings in the endless. Makes sense. That's why we call it endless. To show that there is no idea of ending, meaning that the tzimtzum does not affect does not affect the endless light. and it's understood from this, that this light, it's simple and equal everywhere, because it's its endlessness is uh, is connected to the fact that it's equal everywhere. And I just want to go back a little bit and drive home the point that the entire idea of empty space or empty air, each one is talking about a different form of lack, that there's something missing. With the empty air, it was light of mercy without light of wisdom fulfilling it. That's a sort of lack, because without that light of wisdom, the system is called in smallness. It's not, it hasn't achieved its full potential. With space, it was about a desire to receive a vessel that, that had all of its light drained. It's empty. It's yearning for something. This is the idea of empty space. And the last thing I want to drive home to make sure you remember is that the emanated thing is not just the vessel. It's both the vessel and the essence that came down from the emanator. We, are, we have both in us. We are a unique mix that is only possible 
because the contraction happened. Because before the contraction, there was no lack, there could be no desire to receive. There could only be a desire to receive when there's something missing. If you have everything in your life, goes 100% perfect, you have 17 maids, four butlers, everyone does everything for you, you can't possibly want anything. And that sounds like a really nice thing. It sounds like I, I, I have no wants left. I have everything I could ever need. That sounds amazing, right? No. Why? Because without having something to, without having something to yearn for, without having a desire to receive, slowly, slowly we, we fade out of existence. You, as who you are, at the very core is your desire to receive. What do you want to receive? That is, that is the most essential part of who you are. And when you combine that with the essence of the creator that's in you, that's in, every, that's in everything, that is how you achieve your full potential. Thank you. Thank you.